I definitely got the startup bug in that, you know, the level of ownership over your work and the pace and having an idea and implementing it and seeing what works and trying it again. And I really just, it's addicting. You're listening to the You Might Be a Badass podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Todd, an average everyday girl with a nine to five job and a passion for storytelling. This podcast takes you behind the scenes in discovering truly inspiring personal success stories from all kinds of individuals and how they paved their way into becoming their own version of a badass. I speak with entrepreneurs, nine to fivers, stay-at-home moms, athletes, and everyone in between. My goal is to discover the different depths in which we define what it means to be successful. Success means something different to every person, and ultimately, if you're pursuing your passions and living life to the fullest, you too just might be a badass. For those of you who know me well, or just simply follow me on Instagram, you know that I am a fairly avid puzzler. About once a year or so, I find myself having to go back to my collection to get rid of a few boxes just to make room for a few new ones. And sometimes when I'm on a real kick, I'll be browsing my old Amazon cart for bookmarked puzzles all while still working on one right in front of me. It's not great, I know, but I figure there are far worse habits to have, right? To my delighted surprise, I came across a company that values puzzles just as much as I do, and even urges people to glue together, frame, and hang up the puzzles as art, just as I've done in my own home. The company is called Jiggy Puzzles, and today I am speaking with Kaylin Marcotte, who founded the company five years ago in an effort to make puzzles appear more modern and actually appealing to look at, even on your living room wall. And the best part is that all of the puzzle images are curated works of art by different female artists from around the world. How incredible is that? Okay, before I nerd out any further, let's just dive right in with Caitlin. Okay, hey everybody. Welcome back to the You Might Be a Badass podcast. I am really, really excited today to have Kaylin Marcotte join me, the founder of Jiggy Puzzles. Welcome, Kaylin. Hi, Rachel. Thanks so much for having me. Tell us a little bit about yourself and who the company is just at a, at a basic level. Yeah, so um, I, I'll start with myself. I My name is Kaylin. I uh, am a New York-based founder now of Jiggy. I am from California. My background was in media and marketing. I joined the co-founders of The Skim as their first employee uh, in 2013 and ended up being there for four years and building our Skim Ambassador program and grassroots marketing and social media. Um, And the idea for Jiggy actually came from those days because it was amazing, wild ride those first couple years. but definitely all-consuming and stressful. And I was looking for a way to unwind and relax and um, meditate at the end of these long work days. And I started doing puzzles. And you know they really got me away from uh, screens and my phone and computer and no multitasking and just really present and focused. Um, and I started doing puzzles as my form of meditation back 
five years ago and uh, started thinking about this idea. You know, I was doing, I was buying a thousand piece puzzle every week. So I was always looking at online and toy stores for, for different designs. And all the ones I was finding were just really cheesy stock photography and watercolors and animals and I just didn't connect with the art on the puzzle itself. And so I had this idea to kind of reinvent, you know, the the classic jigsaw puzzle um, in an elevated way with modern designs and supporting artists at the same time. So what Jiggy is, is we say we make puzzles worth framing and we partner with emerging female artists from around the world and we license their work, um, giving them a percentage of every sale and turn their work into jigsaw puzzles. And um, we changed all the packaging and it's very elevated and reusable and giftable. Um, and each one comes with a tube of puzzle glue. So when you're done, it goes right on top and dries clear and essentially binds the puzzle as an art print. So um, hence the puzzles worth framing. I love that. What a what an awesome idea. It's always, you know, hard to kind of piece together all of those elements. So that's such a cool, unique idea to put everything all together and make it super easy. And like you said, it's a beautiful piece of art that you can now have multiple uses out of. That's, that's awesome. Exactly. Exactly. I think, you know, for me, I was doing so many puzzles and you spend hours and hours putting this together and then what, just take it apart. It's like, no, if I actually enjoy the art, like I want to, I want to keep this and show it off. Um, so it's been great to see people, you know, we see get tagged in photos and have people email us and have framed and hung up their puzzles on their walls. And it's been really exciting to see. Did you always know that you wanted to start your own business or was this kind of a, a the stars aligning moment for you? Yeah, it was, it was definitely a stars aligning moment. Um, I think, you know, my, before the scam, my first job out of college was by at IBM. So very different, um, you know, obviously huge company. Um, and, I once I had been at the scam, I I definitely got the startup bug in that just you know the level of ownership over your work and the pace and you know having an idea and implementing it and seeing what works and trying it again and I really just it's addicting I think to be um, to to have that creative uh, control and and just the speed of growth and experimentation. So once I had, you know, been in it for a few years, I definitely uh, was like, I think this is where I'm going to stay for a while. In terms of starting my own thing, I didn't necessarily feel that that was the only path. I loved being a part of small teams and working on something I believed in. So I think I didn't feel the need just for the sake of it. But once I had this idea and it just stuck and I was like, there's really something here. I did, I did kind of have the confidence from, you know, working so early with the skim for two young female founders and seeing it done and learning a lot there that, you know, I felt 
that I could jump out on my own and do it as well. Yeah, yeah. And I think kind of to your point, it's so important to have that passion behind what you do and and really helps you kind of drive forward. That's so crucial. Absolutely. So getting into some of the, the setup of the company, did you encounter any setbacks along the way when first getting started? And, and how did you bounce back from some of those? Uh, yes, a million, especially, <laughs> especially, you know, coming from media world. This was my first experience with a physical product. So manufacturing, supply chain, freight forwarding and fulfillment and warehousing, like that was not my language or experience. And so, you know, I, I'm, I half stumbled through it, but I think it's really just breaking like any kind of, you know, project management, like breaking it out into parts and taking it one step at a time. So each kind of hurdle was, you know, came up against the next one and, and figured it out and asked my network and asked a million questions. Uh, but I think that's really just all you can do, especially, you know, bootstrapping. I didn't have the resources to be, you know, bringing in experts for, for every use case that I needed. So um, there were a million and one setbacks and hurdles, but just taking it one step at a time and asking a ton of questions to the people that that I did have support from. One of the most unique things about you, at least in my mind, is the mm-hmm. artist piece. Um how do you go about finding um, and working with particular artists to then put onto your puzzles? Yeah, it's it's evolved a bit. I mean, it's definitely one of my favorite parts of our company and my just my day-to-day of being able to network with and build this community of artists um, is, is something that really drives me. So in the early days, I mean, pre-launch, I just went to art fairs and art shows here in New York and looked on Instagram. There are kind of these female illustrator, female artist communities on Instagram. I looked at sites where artists were already selling like prints of their work. And so kind of these aggregator sites with a bunch of artists selling their prints um, and really just kind of pieced it together and reached out. I also didn't know how they would respond, you know, if the idea of putting their work on a puzzle would be silly or, you know, if they would be open to it. And so reached out and uh, I was blown away by the response. So many were so excited about this idea. And I think the, the idea of people really creating their artwork with them, you know, obviously putting together the puzzle piece by piece, you're, you're living inside of this design and art and have such a greater appreciation for it seeing every detail on it. So I think the the idea of really building that relationship with the puzzler was also exciting to the artist. So the first collection, I really just curated myself. Um, since we've launched and had a bit more visibility and traction, we have had artists start to reach out to us. So um, we now, it's kind of a combination of still, you know, my sourcing, people I find, you know, on all of those platforms uh, myself. And then we also have kind of an open submission uh, process as well. That's really cool. Not to single anybody out, but do you have a personal favorite puzzle that you currently sell? Uh, I mean, so many, all of them. <laughs> it's funny. I was just telling someone, I was like, if if I didn't actually love puzzles, like 
my bluff would have been called by now because there have been so many occasions where like you know we were on the today show and they were like okay great like for the for the set we want to see a couple options of them completed and framed and like I didn't have any completed so I canceled all my plans and just went on like a puzzle bender for like 48 hours that is my dream I know right doing every single one of our puzzles but um no I mean I've done them all multiple times and I think so our summer collection just came out Mm -hmm. which I'm really excited about we kind of took um you know, this summer is probably going to look a bit different than, than most. And so we took this idea of like a staycation and all of the pieces are bright and, you know, summery and bright pastel and color palettes. And, um, one in there is called just a snack and it's this woman eating spaghetti, but it's just each, there's so much detail and pattern and it's really fun to puzzle because every piece has like something, um, some fun pattern or design on it. So that's my, the latest one I did, um, in our new summer collection. Oh, that's so exciting. I can't wait to, to check those out. Yeah. So to your point about this summer looking a little bit different, I think the elephant in the room is COVID-19 obviously an unforeseeable, um, you know, thing that happened to everybody. Um, But how has it, you know, affected your business in terms of growth, in terms of inventory challenges? Um, What, what has it kind of meant to, to Jiggy? Yeah. um, It has been a whirlwind. So really in March, when it became clear that, you know, stay at home was going to happen, demand just, I mean, everyone was obviously thinking about activities and how they were going to, you know, entertain themselves and pass time, stay at home. So in general, the puzzle market just went, went crazy. And it definitely, we felt that as well. Um, so demand started rising and we started selling out. So the first thing was just taking a look at inventory and projecting and then rushing back into production. So, you know, putting this next collection together and and submitting that for production. But then, you know, of course, with more volume, more customer service tickets and and everything else that comes with just more orders, you know, on the positive side, a ton more engagement and people posting and talking about it and, you know, sharing their progress with the puzzle and then when it's done and they have it framed. Um, so a lot more just all around, you know, visibility, engagement, demand. But of course, with that kind of the the operations behind it was a pretty steep uh, adjustment and learning curve for such a small team I had. I had just brought on a part-time ops person. So um, had kind of my first part-time help, but still... I have no full-time employees and and very much still a one woman show. So it was, it was a lot, um, but all, all good problems to have. And we would hear amazing feedback from, you know, people quarantining alone and being lonely and, you know, passing time with the puzzle or puzzling when they couldn't sleep at night. Um, so I think there was so much anxiety and stress and back to really the founding story, you know, my puzzles were my stress relief and, and meditation tool. Um, I think it's a great thing to just 
distract your your mind and pass some time or put on an audiobook and you know be focused and do something with your hands. So I think it's it's really been a tool for people in this time. So being able to to um, feed that need has been really rewarding. So, you know, the, the craziness that came with it was something we were happy to do. Um, but there was also another campaign that came out of it, which was a, a quick pivot um, that I'm really proud of given our artists. So we have this community of artists, you know, at the same time that we were kind of sprinting to keep up with demand and selling out of puzzles, our artists were saying, you know, galleries are closed, exhibits are canceled, no one's commissioning original art in the middle of this pandemic. And so they were kind of left in a tough spot with not many outlets to support themselves. And so we um, quickly came up with this idea to have blank white puzzles made. So, you know, our next collection was underway, but it was going to take a while. But what I was able to get quickly and kind of just off the shelf were um, blank white puzzles that were pre-cut but still completed, intact, and shipped flat. And I started distributing those to our network of artists, and they hand-painted and hand-drew directly onto the puzzle, essentially creating um, original art on a puzzle. And so we they're called Jiggy Originals, and we launched that um, at the beginning of May and hosted auctions. So we would auction, you know, drops of these Jiggy Originals by our female artists and um, they would get the proceeds to support themselves. And then we would donate a portion to um, a fund artist relief, which was distributing grants to artists of all disciplines who were out of work due to COVID. So that was just an amazing campaign that we still, we're still running. We switched to just a set price model. So you can just, it's not, not each one is an auction. Um, they're just available for purchase, but, um, yeah, Jiggy Originals has, was an amazing, um, really fulfilling thing that directly came out of these circumstances, um, for both us and, and our artist community. Yeah. Wow. What an amazing way to pivot into something where you needed to just fill that void and, and clearly you made that work uh, pretty flawlessly. That's incredible. Thank you. You had, um, correct me if I'm wrong. You had a couple of celebrities involved in the originals as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we, um, you know, we had had some like puzzle people that we had, I had just started a relationship with kind of DMing and sent them some puzzles and they did them. And so the idea was to one, just give the campaign overall a little more buzz um, and help bring some, some new people um, to even hear about Jiggy Originals, but then also to fundraise. So their puzzles were a little bit different. We had Lily Reinhardt and Sophia Bush and Allison Williams, and um, they made puzzles and those were available not for auction, but essentially kind of like a raffle. So um, you would donate $10 to enter to win it. And all of the proceeds went to, to Artist Relief and then we would select a winner. That's so awesome. Yeah. If we can, I'd like to pivot into some more kind of like business and marketing yeah. tactics, if you will. So how did you find your company's brand and story? I know that obviously branding is kind of a long history of having to kind of create and establish, but just wondering how you pulled that together and how it's maybe perhaps evolved over time. 
Yeah, I think, um, you know, some of it just came very intuitively from the skim. I saw the importance of, you know, a personality and a voice behind a brand and, um, you know, knowing who you're talking to, who are you trying to reach and who is your target audience and um, really, you know, developing a, a brand and a voice that resonates with that. So that was something that I, I definitely prioritized and I think came somewhat naturally from my experience there. And um, I, and then, you know, I just, I also wanted it to just be playful. I wanted it to be elevated and beautiful and giftable and feel like an experience. Uh, but I also, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's a puzzle and I wanted it to be fun and, and playful. And so, um, I had gone back and forth on the name and had these docks of brainstorms and so much just time going into different options. And then I was on a walk with a friend in the West village and I was like, I don't know, like maybe a riff on jigsaw. Like I want you to know kind of that it's a puzzle. Like you can connect the dots and it relates, but not too on the nose. And so maybe like riffing on jigsaw and like jiggy just popped out and it clicked. I was like, that's, that's it. And then, um, for the packaging, you know, I wanted it to feel very premium and elevated and really position the art as art and our, our inspiration. I used it this, um, product designer, freelancer who had gone to the school of visual arts here in the city. And, you know, we went back and forth and I was like, I know that I want it to, you know, really highlight and present the art as art. And so we were inspired by kind of like a, a museum pedestal or the blank, you know, white museum walls. And so our packaging is white. There's some kind of gold foil detail. There's like the outline of a frame around the puzzle design. Um, but we really kind of let the art speak for itself. And, um, and I knew I didn't want to use any plastic and usually, you know, puzzles come in that rectangular cardboard box. Every puzzle has ever come in with that Mm -hmm. plastic bag inside. And, um, and I thought about one, of course I want people to, you know, keep it and frame it and, and actually display it as art and use the glue. But even if they don't, and they take it apart back to its pieces, you know, can it still be displayed and beautiful? And so the pieces come in this glass jar, um, with a cork lid and and jiggy is frosted on. And so even if you take it apart or, you know, before you've done it and you want to display it, um, you know, it looks beautiful on a bookshelf or a coffee table. Um, so yeah, I was, I, I definitely took my time. Sometimes I was hard on myself. I was like, oh, let's just get it out there, get it out into the market. But I think hopefully it shows that I was a little precious, um, and really put a lot of thought into the packaging and presentation, um, around it. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely think so. I was kind of rolling my eyes just now as you're talking about the, the big, you know, stock cardboard boxes that all of these puzzles come yeah. in and they just waste so much space. So just, you know, even even from that perspective. But I'm also seeing that people are reusing the glass jar, right? Yeah, it's been so fun to see. We started a whole campaign of like what kind of the jiggy jar reincarnated and what people have used it for. And it's been everything from like, you know, a cookie jar to somebody was um, 
keeping their sourdough starter and like somebody, you know, used it, um, as a cold brew and like a coffee, uh, container. Somebody was keeping their kombucha, like the mother, um, fermenting in there. It's been, it's been hilarious to see, but, uh, I have mine as a flower vase on my, on my table right now. That's awesome. Very creative. Yeah. Um, so as an entrepreneur, you probably know this best, but there's, I'm sure a bunch of misconceptions out there about being an entrepreneur. Um, Mm-hmm. What would you say are are some of the bigger ones or the biggest one for you that you might want to rebuttal? <laughs> yeah, um, I, I you're right. I think there are ten. I think the biggest are, and certainly the ones I've been feeling lately. Of, um, you know, well, certainly we. I think at the skim we felt that like even when you fundraise, even when your company is doing well, like it doesn't mean you're necessarily like seeing that. And so I think there's a lot of like glamour, like, you know, the company's high value, you must be rich. And like, I think there, there's so much grunt work. It's really, I think it, people have said it by now, but like, it's really not, I think as glamorous as it looks. And especially with a physical product, I mean, I'm like, live and die by like the FedEx cutoff. I'm lugging stuff all around the city. Like it is, um, it is really, there's a lot of grunt work. Um, and I would also say, you know, I would say on a positive end, the idea that I would push back on the idea that you, you know, have to have done it before or have a certain level of experience or, you know, resume build in some way to, to take the leap. Um, you know, I, I had listened to over the years, a lot of these podcast, how I built this and, you know, interviews with founders. And to me, my takeaway was like, okay, like the only difference between having an idea and being a founder is like doing it, incorporate. And then you're a founder, you know, like that, um, that, it's, it would be easy to put off and be like, oh, I, maybe I should go somewhere and get a little more marketing experience for when I'm ready. And I think really it's, you know, back to the beginning of, of fumbling my way through manufacturing. It's just, it's so much more about grit and adaptability um, and, you know, creatively using limited resources and being scrappy than any kind of level of a tangible experience on a resume. So I think on an encouraging note, I would, I would, push back on that and, and, you know, just say really the only thing standing between an idea and a founder is, is just starting to do it and execute on it. But also on the other side, understanding it's really not sexy or glamorous at all. Yeah, certainly not a walk in the park. I think a phrase that is often overused, but underestimated is there's no time like the present, right? Like, Mm-hmm. There's going to be a million reasons why not to do something. And I'm probably in a testament to that of even like starting this podcast, right? I had a list of mm-hmm. reasons why I shouldn't do it, but ultimately I right. to just kind of get my thoughts onto paper, create an action plan, and then just like start, you know? Totally. That's, that's what I found for my, I like, I, I can spin wheels all day. I'm a very like rational, logical thinker. So I can like talk myself into something, out of something and until I just put it on paper, work backwards, have a plan. And then it's 
much more manageable. Same. My to-do list is a a live and die. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. To pivot away from the actual business aspects, I'd love to get to know more about you as a person Mm -hmm. and kind of your your habits and, and the way that you kind of tick, for lack of a better word. So jumping into, it's a very broad topic, but how, how would you define success? What does it mean for you? Yeah, I think, I think where I'm at right now in my life, where the company's at right now, it, it means impact and impact in a couple ways. One, of course, core, core to our mission is supporting artists and not just featuring them on Instagram and tagging them and giving them a platform, but actually paying them and giving, you know, they get a percentage of every sale and helping them monetize their work and make a living off their art. Um, so impact with our artist community is, is definitely a measure of success for me. Um, impact for our customers. And, you know, I think some of these circumstances around COVID and quarantine has really brought it to a head and, and shown how, puzzles can be a, a tool and a habit and something mindful and grounding. Um, but even if it's not that and it's a, a playful, fun, you know, puzzle party and you're catching up with friends over wine and all kind of putting some some pieces together, um, I think seeing how puzzles are, are brightening alone time, social time, um, and really having that impact with our customers is huge too. So those are my, my two kind of focuses and and communities of the company. And for me personally and for Jiggy, it's it's all about just furthering that impact. And then on a personal level, what are some of the non-negotiables that you have set up for yourself during Mm -hmm. the week or the month um, to set yourself up to be your most successful self? Yeah, I think this is also something that, that, the last couple of months have definitely shown because, um, you know, I think as with many people, I kind of got just off schedule or no schedule really like sleeping schedule was off and working from home. There were like no boundaries. And so I think I really realized like that has a huge impact on just my day and mood and productivity level. So I've gotten back into a pretty strict routine and and morning routine and really starting the day off right. I started journaling again and um, do morning pages and just getting things out of my head. I think um, I am a very like visual, tactile learner and communicator, and so I think a lot of things hold space in my in my brain until I get them out on paper. And so starting the day with just kind of a free, free flow of, of writing kind of opens up more space that I don't feel like I have to hold on to those things. Um, so yeah, writing, writing a lot more and, um, my, my to-do lists and goals and working backwards and having a really clear plan on paper, um, and sleep schedule. I'm, I'm, a natural night owl and was falling into this like 3 a.m. to 9, 10 a.m. Um, and being much more strict about that has made a difference as well. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Sleep is everything. Yeah. Um, morning pages. I've heard of that before. Is that just mm-hmm. putting thought down whatever comes to your mind? Yeah. It came, I think it originally came from um, this 
book, kind of very actionable book process called The Artist's Way. And I had done it a couple of years ago um, with some friends and we had like a book group around The Artist's Way. And um, again, it's very actionable. There are like prompts and um, things you have to do and you have to go on, you know, artist dates that could be a show or a movie alone or, you know, a pottery class, something that's active and creative and getting um, you know, your, your juice is flowing, but one of the biggest things in, in the artist way are these morning pages. So first thing in the morning, you put pen to paper, you write three pages, no matter what, even if you have nothing to say, you write that, but you, you write three pages every morning. Um, and I think the idea is, yeah, again, you, you get stuff out. Um, if you do actually end up writing things, it's very interesting to see, you know, what, what you had to say and what comes to mind. Um, and are there patterns there or lessons there? Um, but yeah, I, I highly recommend. I actually was given that book, um, yeah, a couple years ago and I am cringing at the idea that I admittedly haven't done anything with it. <laughs> it's sitting there, but I, I have heard wonderful, amazing things about it. Um, this was like a mentor who had given it to me at a time mm-hmm. when I needed a little bit of direction and I just didn't feel like it was going to give me what I needed. And I, and I'm mm-hmm. now starting to have second thoughts about that. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, it's one of many things. I think a lot of times, and once you, once you have read it or like heard about it, you start to see it everywhere. And like I saw like recently Carrie Washington posted that she reads it every couple of years to just kind of restart, you know, her creativity. Um, but yeah, it's, it's one tool of many, but I, I think it can give some, it can give some action plans that you might not come up with otherwise. Yeah. That's so fascinating that she does it or she has done it multiple times. We go through different things mm-hmm. in life that could exactly. use different meanings to creativity. Exactly. Very cool. Well, before we wrap up, tell us where we can find you, social website, etc. Yeah, we are Jiggy Puzzles everywhere. So social at Jiggy Puzzles, uh, plural, and then website is JiggyPuzzles.com. Amazing. Thank you so much, Kaylin. Thank you. All right, that's it for today. Don't forget to follow along for more on Instagram at you might be a badass podcast and let me know your thoughts about today's show. And I'll see you again, same time, same place next week.